May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Now, if you recall in, in the bulletin where we have printed the, uh, the collect for, for today, which is the uh, 21st Sunday after Trinity, uh, that is one that is often memorized by deacons and lay readers alike, because that is the collect that you say in lieu of the absolution, because the priests uh, or, or the bishop can pronounce absolution, but deacons and laity cannot. But anyone, even in your private prayer time, when you're actually saying the offices, uh, you, you can actually say that collect, uh, which is, um, <laughs> it's funny. I had that memorized, and then all of a sudden it, it escaped me. But this is where we read, Grant we beseech thee, merciful Lord, to thy faithful people, pardon and peace, that they may be cleansed from all their sins and serve thee with a quiet mind through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And of course, that absolutely is something that we need to hone in on because how often do, do people have anything but peace and a rather disquieted mind? So we're going to talk a lot about that today. Uh, we're going to actually study our, our epistle. But let me go ahead and start off with a couple of concepts here. Uh, one, um, how many of you have read Sun Tzu, <laughs> the, the, uh, the Art of War? Uh, and that's studied to this day in military academies all over the world. But this is what he wrote. He said, if you know the enemy and know yourself, you need not fear the result of a hundred battles. If you know yourself but not the enemy, for every victory gained, you will also suffer a defeat. If you know neither the enemy nor yourself, you will succumb in every battle. And this is something that even Napoleon had practiced, though not always effectively, because we know about Waterloo, a very significant loss. But this is what, uh, what he said. He said, if I always appear prepared, it is because before entering on an undertaking, I have meditated for long and foreseen what may occur. And, and he said that back in 1831. And even to this day, uh, one of the oldest institutions in our country is the United States Army, born in 1775. And this is what the Army applies as a doctrinal principle of what we call the intelligence preparation of the battlefield, or IPB. Uh, Army has acronyms all over the place. And this is what it says, and I quote, It is the best process we have for understanding the battlefield and the options it presents to friendly and threat forces. What is IPB? IPB is a systematic, continuous process of analyzing the threat and environment in a specific geographic area. It is designed to support staff estimates and military decision-making. Applying the IPB process helps the commander selectively apply and maximize his or her combat power at critical points in time and space on the battlefield. So what does this have to do with us? Well, think about it. We engage in a spiritual battle. As St. Paul also wrote uh, to the church in Corinth, and this is what he said in the second epistle to the Corinthians, chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive 
to obey Christ. So there are a couple, about three things that, that we can take away from, from today's epistle, and I'm going to kind of tie it into that same uh, IPB concept. First, uh, we need to know the enemy, his staff estimates and ours. Secondly, we need, we need to know our combat capability. And thirdly, we need to know the other spiritual courses of action, or COAs as they call it, which are available to us. But let's begin with knowing the enemy. Page 219 in your prayer book, our text for today is Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to begin with the first uh, three verses, 10 through, through 12. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. St. Paul closes his epistle to the Ephesians with a battle cry, a call to battle in verses 10 through 20 of chapter 6. And Christians, we have a new relationship with one another because we belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. And this gives us a different perspective that a spiritual realm actually exists. And the devil is very much a real being. Now, we don't look for him behind every bush. We don't blame him for everything, including bad decisions that that we might make. But know this, that he is a devious, wicked, and ruthless enemy, deceiving those who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. He is a deceiver inasmuch as he is an accuser. He is also a tempter. So there is very much a spiritual war going on. And this war is being fought between God and Satan in every corner of the cosmos, in heaven and on earth. As we remember, Jesus wrestled with the devil when he was tempted to doubt his identity and to misuse his power. He waged war against the devil when he cast out evil spirits. And he told power-hungry and hypocritical religious leaders that they were actually the devil's children. St. Paul also sees the forces of darkness at work in the world. He detects Satan's influence where human rulers are cruel tyrants and human institutions are corrupt and self-serving. And then there are the unseen powers of the occult. The Ephesians themselves had known the bondage and fear of their pagan religion, which also included, among many things, astrology, magic, and spiritism. And when they turned to Christ, they even burned their book of spells. And we can read about that narrative in Acts chapter 19, verse 19. And I read, And a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. That is a whole lot of value there. All of this mirrors and reflects a titanic power struggle uh, in the heavenly realm between the forces of light and the forces of darkness between God and Satan. So what do we do in the face of such a formidable threat? Well, we need to know our combat capability. So let's now take a look at verses 13 through 17 
here in Ephesians chapter 6. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We put on God's whole armor and take our stand in his strength. That's what we do. It is the power available to us Christians. It's exactly the same power as God used to raise Jesus from the grave. It is the power to defy and to defeat Satan. St. Paul described the different pieces of armor uh, as though he was equipping a Roman soldier for battle. And he may very well, since this was a prison epistle, he may have been chained by the wrist to a soldier as he wrote, dictated this letter. So he had a living illustration probably sitting right near him. Let's talk about the first piece, the belt of truth. That holds the Christian together, giving an integrity of belief and behavior. After all, it is the truth grounded in Scripture that informs both our faith and our practice. It's what we believe about God and what duty God requires each and every one of us, according to the Westminster Shorter Catechism. And this integrity actually allays doubt and it strengthens us. Because think about it. Those who are in deep sin can often have doubts about their eternal destiny, even if they they care. All right. And and there is a book that I want to commend to you if if you like to uh, gather books on this topic. There's one book that that I recommend written by uh, Michael Perry. It's called Deliverance. Now, this is actually one of the SPCK classics. It's the Society for the Promotion of Christian Knowledge. And, it, and this is kind of equivalent to the Diagnostics and Statistics Manual that you find in the field of psychology and psychiatry. In other words, this actually deals with the right way to approach it and the wrong way to, to, to approach it. And this was very much the, uh, one of the primary resources I used when I actually wrote on the subject when I was in in seminary. So so let me read a little bit of something about possession, because those who are believers in Christ cannot be possessed by the devil. Cannot. Okay, but every Christian knows that he is subject to temptation. That's one of um, Venerable Perry's point. And temptation may become so intense that it has to be described as demonic obsession, In this state, temptation and demonic interference increases to such a degree that normal life begins to become impossible because of ideas in the mind, a preoccupation with evil, or a sense of all-pervading guilt or fear. And a further stage may be called oppression, where there is occult or demonic attack in dreams or otherwise. And, And a lot of that has to do with those who get caught up in the things of the occult, especially things of of the pagan religion, or even in other areas of deep, deep sin, 
whether it's substance abuse or pornography or anything of, of the like. So, so that's why it's important that we be girded by that buckle of a belt of truth in, in order to be kept in check when it comes to our spiritual integrity, the things that we believe and the things that we do. The breastplate of righteousness is the protection of Christ's holiness and victory over sin. He won the battle. We are clothed in Christ's righteousness, those who have faith in him, so we can face the enemy. But also, too, St. Peter did write in his first letter, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith. And then St. James also reminds us of, of the dangers of being disconnected from our relationship with God. And I would even extend to that being separated uh, from, from community because think about a flock of sheep. Who are the most vulnerable but the lambs who actually stray and are by themselves in the wilderness who are prone to being attacked by predators, wolves and lions and things of that nature. So this is what St. James reminds us to do in chapter 4 verse 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So this is where we are to cleave to the Lord Jesus Christ, to cleave to him in faith. Let's talk about the footwear that the Roman soldier wore. The Roman soldier wore shoes for stability and endurance while on his feet, much like combat boots that soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines wear today. They were good for marching, are good for standing firm. So the Christian must put on the boots, if you will, of the gospel, ready to go anywhere with the good news and able to hold the ground whenever under attack. And St. Paul further uh, elaborates on this principle in Romans chapter 10, verses 14 through 15. How then will they call on him and whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So those boots make us mobile. They make us stable, but they also make us mobile, able to proclaim anywhere the gospel of peace. Let's now move to the shield of the faith, that other vital piece of armor. Oh, it's not a small shield at all, uh, not like what the gladiator wore, but it's the full-length shield used by the Roman legions. These shields protect the soldier's whole body and also link with other soldiers to drive wedges for advance or to form walls for defense or even ramps to launch an offensive against the enemy on high ground. Because anytime you're encountering the enemy on the high ground, they have the advantage, and these shields negated that advantage. They were also covered with hide to beat out the fires or extinguish flaming arrows dipped with blazing tar. In these arrows, Paul sees the darts of doubt and temptation which rain down on the Christian and can only be fended off by faith in God's truth and in his greater power because our Lord Jesus Christ was victorious over Satan. 
But also, too, when we think of the shields locking together, this is precisely why we need one another in community to stand fast in defense. The helmet of salvation. It was a strong protection for the head and the neck of that Roman soldier. And it was made of iron or bronze. Now, for us, the Christian soldier, it is forged from salvation. The the assurance that Christ has rescued us from sin and shares with us his victory. And it is the very protection that guards our thoughts, our minds, and our hearts, which often can betray us with doubts. So that's why we need to be absolutely firm, you know, with that helmet of salvation placed firmly upon our head and neck. And to always be sensible of the truths of the gospel. And even when we find ourselves at our lowest point, or when we think we are failing in our sanctification, look back to the cross. Look back to Christ's righteousness and what he did for us on the cross. And keep in mind that that it's not our works that save us, but it's ultimately grace in the Lord Jesus Christ. And by trusting in him and in him alone. Let's now talk about that offensive weapon called the sword. The Christian spiritual sword is the word of God. This is the sword of the spirit. It is living and active. It is the only offensive weapon that St. Paul mentions. And when properly used, scripture becomes right. It comes right to the very point on every single issue that we may face. God's sword separates truth from falsehood and with power and precision, defending us against the devil and arming us with with the gospel. And remember, our Lord Jesus Christ wielded this weapon even in the wilderness by saying it is written time and again. So whenever our thoughts, words, actions and attitudes fail to align with what we see in the word of God, then this is ultimately going to Put us on a corrective course. It's going to point us back to true north, to the Lord Jesus Christ. And also, too, it will indeed take every thought captive to the Lord Jesus Christ and to his word. So that is the armor that we wear. Now let's talk about the other spiritual courses of action available to us in verses 18 through 20. Praying at all times in the spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. You see, we fight our fiercest battles on our knees in prayer in the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't do this in our own strength. But only as the Holy Spirit empowers us to the victory on the battlefield of life. We're in it to win it. <laughs> and what do I mean by that? We look to the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the author and finisher of our faith, who is the one that, that faced every single temptation, but yet did not give in to sin. So no longer can the devil accuse us because he is our advocate. So let's make sure that as we fight on the battlefield called life, uh, let's know the enemy. Let's know ourselves. But let's also fight on to victory, fighting the good fight of faith until we finish the race to win the prize. And this I say in the name of the Father and of the Son 
and the Holy Ghost. Amen.